0: been in this series called His Image. Uh, this is week three, and um, it's on podcasts, so you can always go online to uh, see the earlier weeks. And chapter three of the book we're reading um, is called Joyful Intimacy. The passage we just read is a moment where God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all present, as they always are. And um, It's significant because Jesus is actually being baptized by his cousin John. And literally, when he comes up out of the water, this moment is not only a picture of a historical event, but it's a picture of the relationship that exists between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we understand that Jesus, in coming to earth and, yes, dying for our sins, also came to demonstrate the relationship that he intended us to have with the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so all three are mentioned there. I think about um, the term that Jesus uses to relate to the Father. He calls him Abba, which is a very personal, affectionate, loving term that what's in the heart of Jesus, the Son toward the Father, is to call him Abba. And uh, this is so significant. And here's what happens when he's baptized. It says immediately when he gets up out of the water, The heavens are opened, and it says the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descends on him and remains on him. And so you have the third person in the Trinity coming on the second person in the Trinity. And then you hear the first person in the Trinity, the Father, saying these words from heaven. This is my Son, which is a declaration of acceptance. This is so powerful. This is my Son, whom I love, That's an expression of his affirmation for the son and whom I am well pleased, which is a declaration of his approval. So in one singular moment, which we are eyewitnesses through reading the scripture and those who were at the Jordan that day, you actually see the, the moment of God, the father publicly affirming God, the son and the Holy spirit present on Jesus. And they are inseparable. There's never been a moment where the Godhead has been without the other. So whether it's his baptism, whether it's the cross, whether it's the beginning of creation, or whether it's the consummation, the end of all things, they're inseparable. And there's this joyful intimacy that exists in the Godhead. And uh, it, it, we're not meant just to peer into it. We're actually meant to participate in that relationship. That, that the heart of the Father, his love for the Son, Causes the son to experience joy and the love that the son has for the father, vice versa, and the love that the father and the son through the spirit all share together. It's amazing. And one theologian calls it a dance, and we've been invited to the dance. Some of us don't feel worthy to come to that dance, but our father actually says, Come be a part of the dance. I think it's hard for us to think sometimes of God as father in the way that Jesus thinks of God as father because of cultural norms. Many of us in this room have had great relationships with our fathers. Some of us have not had very good relationships with our fathers. Some of us don 't even know our fathers. Some of us know our fathers but feel like our fathers were absent. Some of us had great dads. I mean, like Jesus, he had Joseph as his father, who was a good dad, but he did but there was a way of relating to God the Father that actually went beyond his relationship with his own natural father and and the 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 love that God the Father, and God, the Son, have is something that Supersedes even what Jesus had with His own natural dad, uh, Joseph, uh, earthly father, if you will. So, and and I'm I am just getting glimpses, and I want to be caught up in that, because when I look at our culture, I realize we don't get that love. Uh, It's there for us; it's available, but there's something that sometimes veils our ability to see the love that God has for the Son and the Spirit and vice versa, and that love, how it transcends to us, we either feel undeserving of it or we don't understand it. And we, you, you know, I, I just don't, it's like this. How can I just say it plain? We don't know how much God loves us. Like, we don't really know how much he loves us. He, it's like he says, I love you. And on the way of that voice coming to say, I love, like when Jesus is there being baptized, he said, this is my son. Like the fullness of it, Jesus is just like enveloped by it. I think when we hear God the Father saying we love us, we're like, yeah, it's kind of like my kids. When I say uh, my youngest daughter's an artist, um, and when I say artist, like if I put a picture up on the screen and I wouldn't have to tell you who that person is, you would recognize that individual that she painted, right? Not like, let me try to figure out who this is. <laughs> She's that level, right? Um, a woman bought a piece from her, and we walked by a store one day. We're like, that's Micaiah's work. And it was in the window of a store being sold. And the owner comes out and says, oh, yeah, this artist is bad. She is, she's like amazing. She's 18. And she didn't know we were the parents. She's like, she's 18 years old. And she's just going places. And she's going love. and then my wife says, well, she's actually 17. It's like, well, no, she's 18. She's like, well, no, I'm her mom. She's 17. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're her. Real. And he's like, how much are you selling it for? Like, well, you know, she was making profit. I mean, it's like, girl, you need to up your prices. Let me just tell you, there's a gap. But, but it, it, there's this moment where um, people outside our family who tell her how good she is is really important because when I say it, or even when mom says it, she goes, you're just saying that because you're my parents. So it's almost downgraded. And I think when God says he loves us, you're just saying that because you're God. You know, it's, just, it's, 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 it's like the fullness of what God has in us, even though we are Noah's children, we minimize it somehow, right? What, what, right? And, and I, I don't want to live that way because if I don't receive and if we don't receive the fullness of his love, then whatever we're giving to one another is lacking something. If I can't receive the fullness of forgiveness, guess what I'm giving you? Something less than forgiveness. So this is, this is playing out since we start with him, since we're made in his image. The way he forgives is the way we should forgive. The way he loves is the way uh, we should love. He actually, and I know this is going to sound like, um, like over the top. I know you've heard it before, but hear it fresh. He actually loves his enemies. Now, the way he loves is the way <laughs> I want you to say it. <laughs> I want, you see the resistance in you? To see that, uh, I don't want to be, whoa. He, there's a woe in it, and it's because the, the full measure of his love allows him to love his enemies. Like, like when Judas comes to betray him, if you don't know Judas, he was one of the 12 followers who was really close to Jesus, and he actually betrayed him. I mean, all 12 did something. Let's not just, you know, Judas betrayed him, Peter denied him, Thomas doubted him. You can go down a whole list, right? And then start putting our names in, right? But when Judas comes and gives him a kiss on the cheek, which would have been cultural in the Jewish setting, Jesus looks at him and says, friend, I don't know which one of us being betrayed would look at our betrayer and call them friend. What kind of love is that? And do you know, even before he betrayed him, he gave him a chance to come clean? Like the last meal, he says, one of you is going to betray me. Dude. Like, if you're in the room, you're going, dude, dude. Like, if we could go back in time, we'd be in the room. Just serve it. Judas, Judas, it's you. We know. I'm from 2019. Let me tell you. They're going to talk about you later. You can can win. Judas, he already knows it's you. When he says one of you, he's just trying to, in love, cover you and not expose you in front of your brothers. But he knows it's you. He's not saying one because he's trying to figure it out. He knows it's you. And Judas, everybody going, is it me? Is it me? Even Judas go, is it me? Like, you know it's you. You know it's you. Peter doesn't know it's you. And I'm not highlighting Judas or even Peter. I'm highlighting how does he love us? If he can love a traitor, if he can love a betrayer, how does he love us? I want to know the fullness of his love so I can love that woman that way. Because yeah. for 28 years, she's getting less than what God wants her to have. She says, I'm a good husband. But the standard isn't Americana. Yeah. That's good. The standard isn't that, okay, 28 years we've been faithful to one another. That's not the standard. Yeah. Jesus dies on the cross. And Paul writes about it in Ephesians. He says, Husbands, love your wives. Watch this. Wait for it. Wait for it. Just as those two words change everything. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I don't always want to give myself up for Marianne. I feel like this, I walked into a confession booth. <laughs> Like you're on the other side going, what else, my son? <laughs> I feel like the priest is about anything else you want to confess. I'm trying. But trying won't ever get me there. I have to fully experience him giving himself up for me. Yeah. Then it translates to her. And only when I'm living in that space can I live in this space. But as far as Americana. I'm doing really well as a husband. By American standards. I'm at 28 years. We, we were seven years in. We were at a jewelry store. And this girl said to us. And I'm way off point. But this girl said to us. Way off point in terms of the message. Not way off point with regard to my wife. <laughs> but we were looking at rings. She said how long have y'all been together? At that point it had been seven years. She said what? Seven years? Man, I've been dating this guy for six months. I can't even think of seven years. I'm like, yeah, man, seven years to her was like an eternity, right? For some of you, seven years was like an eternity too. You'll get that later. <laughs> How much does he love us? You know, the chapter three talks about a couple who are married and <clears throat> it talks about how the husband, because of his childhood experiences, was driven um, to earn love. So achievement, high achiever. And uh, high achieving is a good thing. In fact, some of us have it innately, but based on our temperament and wiring. But his was excessive because of uh, his relationship with his his father. So it led to a lot of challenges in his life. Even when at 27 he was radically changed by God and turned away from alcoholism and drugs and pornography, it would take years before he would actually be free from his deep-rooted zeal uh, of aggressively trying to get acceptance, get love. Like, after, after all the drugs and, you know, the stuff on our list, I don't do this anymore, I do less of this, more of that. After the list of behavior was addressed, still the motivation, the drives had not been changed. The fruit had been addressed, but not the root. So he still had a driver. And he replaced it because he went in ministry became a pastor. And there he is, driven to produce the largest growing, fastest growing church in his denomination. And although he wasn't doing drugs and everything, he was still driven and motivated in the wrong way. But you can can miss that there's still this change that needs to happen in us because of stuff you don't do anymore. And you think, I'm good now, but you're not. I think Jesus makes this point in a great story that I want to share with you that's familiar, but I hope you can hear it with fresh ears if you've heard it before. It's found in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read the first two verses and then talk about that and then read uh, another part of it. So in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, you can follow along on the screen. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them." I read that and I'm impacted. First of all, this is a Jewish culture. Um, The Jews at this time are um, oppressed by Rome. Um, They're allowed to keep their culture, but they're required to pay taxes. In order to collect those taxes, Rome has actually employed Jews to collect taxes from Jews. if you notice, it says now the tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors and sinners are used in the same sentence. Uh, the Jews viewed tax collectors as being worse than sinners. The reason why? Because Rome was already oppression, oppressing the Jews. And now that Jews were hired to collect uh, taxes from their brothers, what they would do is charge them more than the tax that Rome was charging. They would charge them double, sometimes three, four times as much. So it's like this, if you'll allow me dude, what is wrong with you? We're already oppressed by Rome. And on top of that, we have to pay them taxes. And then you, my kinmen, my brother, same ethnicity, you going to rob me on top of that? Can you feel the pain? So they hate tax collectors more than they hate sinners. Now, the point here is to show who's hanging out with Jesus. There was something about tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners, we'll, we'll, we'll acknowledge who's talking about them, that just love to be around Jesus and hear him. There's something about Jesus that's so appealing. You know, I think about the church and the culture in which we live, and sometimes when you go mention Jesus, people are like, oh yeah, later I got to catch a train. But no one's in a hurry. Like, like the people who are gathering around Jesus aren't quote-unquote church goers, They're the sinners, if you will. But there's something in Jesus that they find so appealing. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law actually were quite appalled and saying, this man actually welcomes and eats with them. And it seems like a big deal in their culture because in the Jewish culture, you don't eat and you don't welcome sinners into your home and all this. But Jesus is on another level in types of love. He's like, welcome them, eat with them. Man, I'm going to die for them. I'm so beyond a meal. I want to die for them. And in the resurrection, I'm going to have a big banquet feast and they're going to be at the table. I want you to be there too. But right now you're sitting in judgment of them and you don't see your own sin. The Pharisees are self-righteous sinners. And um, so he tells a story. So let's read the rest of the story. Ready? All right. Put the rest up there if you will. Jesus continued. There was a man who had Two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, Jews are kosher, so they normally would not be around pigs, which is why Jesus uses them in the story to make the point of how bad this brother had gotten. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Luke 15. When he came to his senses, aren't you glad that God allows you to come to your senses? He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 16, or 25 rather, through 31. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Party going on. Hey. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Wow. Like Jesus doesn't tell stories just to hear himself speaking. He's telling this parable so that we might have an experience of the father's love for all of us. The older brother in the story, Pharisees, teachers of the law, who because of rules and regulations believe they've, they've achieved good standing with God. Uh, the sinners and tax collectors, or so-called people, the younger brother who squandered what God has given them with loose living. But the father's heart is the same for all his kids. So he tells three stories. Hundred sheep, one's lost. You leave the ninety-nine, go get the one. You search for it till you find it. When you come back, you celebrate. Woman loses, uh, has ten coins, loses one. Lights a lamp, searches all night. When she finds it, calls her girls over. Girls celebrate with me. I found my money. You know what it's like when you, you pulling up a pair of jeans and you reach in and you pull out a five. It's amazing, it's a five-dollar bill. But because you found it, you're like, woo, woo, Chipotle. We going. And so he slowly walks from the sheep to coins to two sons. And one son is lost. Really, they both are. Because <laughs> it's not really about the sons. It's about the father's heart. The one who's prodigal isn't the son. It's the father. Prodigal means lavish. He is just so lavish, uh, uh, lavishly disposed toward all people. So the younger feels so ashamed that he has, he has taken what has been deposited in him and lost it all. So he doesn't feel worthy to be called his father's son. So he comes to his senses. He gets up. He's, he's got a script. I'm going to go tell my dad I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Why? Because he figured out even my dad's employees got food to spare. I'm starving out here with these Pigs. So when he gets home, even before he arrives, the father sees him while he's still far off and has compassion. I just want you to know that when you are still far off from God, before you even make it back to be reconciled, he's still filled with compassion and he's actually running towards you. It's not that we ran toward God, it's that he ran toward us. And when when he sees him, remember, he's going to say... If I could just like be on his payroll, I'm not worthy to be a son. I'm not even worthy to work for him. But if I could just be somebody on payroll and work for my food, I'll take that. And so many of us are going through life in achieve mode. If I just do this for God, if I just do this for God, if I just do this for God, I don't know if I'll really ever feel like a son or daughter, but at least he'll feed me. He'll give me something. And I want you to hear what happens when the son comes. The father runs to him. I don't know what he thought. Oh, here comes dad. Now I'm in trouble. Like he's running toward him. If you're carrying shame and your father's running toward you, you're like, here comes my whooping. <laughs> Do you know what it's like when you feel shame and you feel guilt and you're just condemned? Even when people are speaking good things to you, you're like, yeah, you're just saying that because you're the pastor. Yeah, you're just saying that because you're the leader. Yeah, you're just saying yeah. But the father grabs him, gives him a kiss. Brings him into the house. And he says, dad, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not worthy to be called one of your sons. And before he could get the rest out, he says, Shh, quick, you ready for this? Now here in slow motion, bring the best robe. I'm going to walk off this stage. <laughs> what child goes out and does all their dirt and then they come home and the parent goes bring a SUV um, rent out the hall we're going to they celebrate like you just graduated and got your PhD (laughs) what parent treats you like you got your PhD when your PhD was an absolute failure bring not the goat no not a chicken Get the fattened calf, the one we've been growing for two years. Kill it. We're going to celebrate. Invite everybody. RSVP tonight. If you're the son, you're going, what on earth? <laughs> Dad, do you realize what I've done? Can't you smell the pigs on me? Do you know how far I've fallen and what I've done with all your money? Oh, this son of mine was dead and he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. That's the love God has for every human being on the planet. Think of the person you hate the most. That's the love God has for them. And if you hate them, it's only because you're in older brother mode. Turn off older brother mode. Because the older brother started coming back from work. Man, I got to get some Kool-Aid or something. I'm hot out here. And as he approaches the house... Hey, ho! Hey, he's like, oh man, what's up? Mr. what time, Mister? What's going on? What's up? Party over here! Part- Wait, put your hands in there. Come on, let's make it a party. Put your hands in the air. There we go. Wave them like you don't care. This is what he sees. This is it. this is what he sees. The roof's on fire. <laughs> My redemption is still at work. Half you don't even know. You don't even know. There's a party going on. The roof's not on fire. There's a party going on. And he's like, what? What's going on? One of the employees walks up. Man, your dad's throwing a mad party. They killed the fatted calf. It's just like, the fatted calf? My dad never killed the, he killed the fatted calf. What? What, what? What's going on? your brother came home. <laughs> That's how he heard it. He didn't hear anything after brother. Your brother. My who? Your brother. <laughs> my brother. What, is he dead? We're celebrating the fact that he's dead? Did he come home in a coffin? No, 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 no. He's alive. And that's why we're celebrating. Man, get away from me. I ain't playing, man. Get away from me. How my Ah, Religious people who hate the world. I go to church every Sunday. I sit on set up and break down. I get up at 6 in the morning. I keep, I, you need me, I, fat, a goat. Can I get some curry? Something. I'm slaving away serving God. And what do I get? The world is out partying. And then you throw a party for them when they come back. We worship you, oh God. Right, That's the older brother. So dad has to go outside the house and say, look, come inside. I've been slaving for you. I do this, I do this, I do this. Son, none of what you do makes you my son. You're working hard to win what you already have. You became my son through birth, not through work. And if you knew how much I loved you, you wouldn't work from anxiety and worry trying to achieve something that you already have. You don't even know that I love you, which is why you work the way you do, trying to achieve what is already yours. Anybody working for God's love in here? I mean, you may not use that sentence, but if you examine your heart, what's driving you? Are you living from his love or living for his love? Living from his acceptance or living for his acceptance? You'll never be able to do enough. Was' that song? "Never enough. Never, never. Never enough." That's why I'm not on the worship team. Girl on the worship team, her eyes at me like this. like go back to preaching, stop singing. what's driving you are you older or are you younger either way the father loves us all the same we draw lines that God hasn't drawn we draw ethnic lines the man created those God didn't he made nations but he didn't define people by color that's another message You can't love your brother. You can't love your sister until you know God's heart for you. Until we know God's heart for us, we can't fully have his heart for other people. Mary and I were sitting in the car the other day. We had pulled up to the office and she was, <clears throat> I think, finishing up a text or email on her phone. And I looked out the window and there was a, a man who appeared not to have a home. He was laying on his back on the step. He was asleep. Um, he looked like that was his home. I was just watching people walking by him while sitting in the car. I was wondering who noticed him. I just wanted to get out of the car and go sit over there. I didn't want to wake him up. But like God loves him. Fully. There's a girl who's been molested. Life messed up by it. God loves her Fully somebody had a dad but didn't get from dad what they wanted had a mom didn't get it but god loves you fully like i don't care what step i don't care where you from i don't care how old you are i don't care like you're, i just want us to know the fullness of his love i'll end with this scripture ephesians chapter three because there's hope for the pharisee there was a guy who was a pharisee his name was saul of tarsus He knew the law of God like nobody, like he was exceptional. But he had an encounter with the love of God that so ruined him that he became a son. And he got to the point where he said, Abba, Father, not just judge, not just ruler, not just creator. You know, you call me pastor. My kids just call me dad. Some of us call God creator, judge, but his kids just call him dad. Abba. And here's the verse that this Pharisee wrote. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. No Pharisee ever called God Father. Only Jesus said, Our Father. Before that, no one prayed, Our Father. But this was a Pharisee. This was a guy who looked at other people. In fact, this was a guy who killed Christians. But God so caught him up in his love That he was able to say, I'm the worst of all sinners because I tried to stamp out the church. Yet to me, mercy was given. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. How many like the song Amazing Grace? Do you know who wrote it? A guy who was involved in slave trading. Know what's behind the song you sing. He said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's powerful. Paul, Paul writes, "I kneel before not the Creator, but the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I got a name because I got a daddy. My name is Jones, but I got a name that's bigger than Jones. When I know I'm loved by my Father, I actually walk different. I don't feel like I have to prove that I'm worthy of anybody's love. I don't feel like I need to gain your acceptance because I'm living in my daddy's acceptance. There's some moments that I I wake up like, Dad, I'm scared, I'm lonely, I'm tired, and I'm pastoring, I'm doing all this stuff. Sit down and just look me in the face and let me look at you because there's no human being who can touch the deepest part of you like me, Donnell. And pastoring doesn't make you my son. My spirit did that. So if you never preach again, you're still my son. Or if you don't like the first service or the second service, like I wish I preached that different. uh, I get thoughts just like you. And God goes, shh, boy, be quiet. Come here. And he puts his arm around me and I go, oh, I feel good, Dad. Can we play catch? <laughs> He's personal. He's loving. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. So Father and spirit, they're always together. The triune God. In your inner Being so that Christ, all three, Father, Spirit, Christ, may dwell in your hearts through faith. And here's what he's praying, because as a Pharisee, he didn't understand this. I'm praying, Joan Lindo, I'm praying that you, being rooted and established in love. See, we've been rooted and established in anger, in fear, in worry, in anxiety. Uproot that. That's what Freedom Weekend is. It uproots the stuff so that you can be rooted and established in love. Man, I'm the best husband on the planet when I'm rooted and established in love. Because then I don't want nothing from Marianne. I'm just living in give mode. But when I'm not rooted and established, I'm in take mode because I'm hungry. I have appetites. Anybody got appetites? And the flesh is never satisfied. You eat a donut, you eat another donut. You eat another donut, you eat eat until you're sick and you're still not satisfied. You're only at your best when you're here. Then he says that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Are you ready? To grasp how wide, to grasp how long, to grasp how high, to grasp how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Anybody know they love like that? How wide, how deep, how high. Do you know whatever you have done, his love is deeper than your deepest stuff? His love is higher than your highest achievements. His love is wider. Like, I'm going to be all right because I'm loved. I'm going to be all right. I just want you to know, you're going to be all right. You can be better than all right. You're going to be better than all right. Do you know what's going on in my life do you know what i've been through i know that there's nobody who's been through anything that has tested the measure of god's love or even come close to scratching it that's what i know father i thank you if you just need a dose of some power to grasp how wide how deep All the unbelief that Brandon spoke about that you got to shift from if he can to I believe just if it needs to be an act of faith just raise your hands or stand or whatever to say Lord I'm not trying to achieve this moment I'm just receiving the love you have for me just receive his love Lord I thank you for pouring out your love on the men Pouring out your love on the women, pouring out your love on the children, pouring out your love. I am praying that your love would pierce the despair, pierce the worry, pierce the fear, pierce the anger. That your love that's so great, so deep, so wide, it would reach the depths of us and we'd be so full on your love that we live fearlessly, unafraid. No longer concerned and worried about what? The enemy through culture and other things. has said, you don't make enough money yet. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. You're not this enough or that enough. You're not black enough. You're not white enough. You're not whatever the Are you kidding me? I'm a son of God. I'm everything I'm supposed to be. I'm a daughter of God. I'm not missing anything. My daddy loves me. When you know he loves you, just stand on your feet. My daddy loves me. My daddy loves me. My daddy loves me just the way I am. Doesn't matter how far I drifted. Doesn't matter how dark it gets. My Daddy loves me. Oh, but my own pleasure. Forgive everybody who hurts you because your father is going to do that too. Otherwise, you're going to be shocked. How'd you get to heaven? they would be like, well, how'd you get to heaven? <laughs> we got here because we had the same father. Stop the sibling rivalry. We're all his kids. Just some of us are lost and some of us are found, but he loves us all.